Thank you for listening to the Convergence Podcast. Please enjoy this message by Pastor Andrew Aguilar as he talks about being the change in your family. This morning, we want to talk about how you can be the change in your family. First, I want to define family. How many of you guys are part of a family? Where's all my married people? Amen. Hallelujah. Taylor Allegra, I see you. Welcome. This is their first Sunday back since marriaged. Since marriaged. So we're glad you're here. And then we have the people that are like, they've been married forever, right? Like, Hannah and I will be married 10 years this year, which is awesome. Ten, we're going to hit that 10-year mark. Uh, it's beautiful. Time seriously flies in, in all, what? In all the people who are like, I've been married 30 years. I'm like, I'm catching up. You better look out. So, and then all my single people, got to give you love. Come on, single people. All right. We love you. And you are part of our family. You are part, you, I'm sure you have family, like in the natural, but the family I want to talk about is spiritual family. And the spiritual family is also, they are your, your parents, your actual parents, your actual siblings. Family is family. The, the way I define family for my message, I'm hearing things over here. Sorry. I, I get distracted. I think we've talked about this already. Andrew gets distracted easily. And it's because I just like being aware. You know, like, I'm always like, God, are you over there opening that door? God, are you talking to me or somewhere? You know, like, I'm just, I can't help it. I am what I am. And where did my definition go? It was right here. It's right in my face. It's literally right here. It's... I like to use notes. These are my notes right here. It's literally right here. And I'm like, where, where is it? So let's define family. You ready? <clears throat> the definition of family is all the descendants of a common ancestor. So if this is true, let's, let's read some scripture real quick. God said to Abraham in Genesis 17, 4, he said, behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be the father of multitudes of nations. He also said in Genesis 12 to Abraham, if you, in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Paul then says in Galatians 3, 29, if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs to promise. So that means if you have accepted Christ, if you are in Christ, you, are gra- you have said yes to family. You have said yes to accountability. You've said yes to being strengthened. These are all components of family. You've said yes to being encouraged. You have said yes to being trained and equipped. You've also yes to being a brother or a sister in Christ. You have also said yes to being a son or a daughter to a loving, good father. So family... In Christ, look around, look around. These are your brothers and sisters. So we're family because it says it in scripture. We have the, the proper definition, everyone from a, a descendants of a common ancestor. In Christ, it says in the Bible that we are all, our common ancestors, Abraham. If that's fact, there we go. It's good enough for me. Is that good enough for you? Father Abraham had many sons and daughters. Right, and we're looking right at each other, and it's us. Yeah. All right, that's something to be happy about. Yeah. Say this: I'm not alone. I've got family all around me. So some people are a little afraid of family because we think that like um, family hurts you, which can be true. Family means vulnerability, which can very well be true. Family means drama, which can be true. That is true. How many of you guys have some dramatic family? (sighs) 
I saw mostly Latin hands go up. But, <laughs> but that's the family that's being truthful. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> no shame. That's, hey, that's good. Who said that? That's good. That's good. Amen. So God gave me uh, three keys that I wanted to bring to this topic of being the change in your family. You were called to change your family first. These aren't the keys. I just wanted to make some statements. You are called to be the change in your family. And we just said sometimes family can be dramatic. Sometimes it can be vulnerable. Sometimes family can hurt you. But I want you to know that you are called to be the change in your family. God has handpicked you to be the influence in your family. The spirit of the living God lives inside of you. He has called you. He has empowered you. He has said yes to you, to lead you, to guide you. And then when you create a plan of how you can reach your family, he's the one who will guide your steps. He has said yes to you because you have said yes to him. So you are called to lead your family and to be the change and influence in your family. You have royal blood in your veins and the power of life in your tongue. You are called to be the change in your family. So when you said yes to Christ, you said yes to accountability to being strengthened, to being encouraged, to being trained and equipped, to being a brother or sister in Christ, and to being a son and daughter of a living, amazing, good father. You guys ready for the first key? All right. The first key comes from a story that is in Genesis. It's one of the oldest, oldest stories about Noah. Noah built a big old boat. You remember that? That's not the story I want to talk about. See, after that all happened, Noah became a farmer. Man, I woke up this morning. I have been so good. I woke up this morning You guys ever not talk for a while after you wake up and then you start talking and it's like, (laughs) it's like, like, dang, I got to get some oil in the engine, (laughs) you know? My throat's like, I got to drink some water real quick. Hold on. So Noah became a farmer after the ark and all that whole incident was over. He had some sons. He had three sons. He became a farmer. And he was, he had a vineyard. Noah made wine. He had too much wine and he got drunk. So drunk that he got butt naked. So here's here's Noah. It's in scripture. You can laugh. I'm not offended. He wrote it, not me. Can't offend God. So here's Noah in his tent, and his son, his, his son's name's Ham. His brother is not steak or, or chicken, it's Ham. Ham walks in and takes a look and sees something that he wishes he never saw. But in all seriousness, it was like, this, this was embarrassing. This was exposing. This was like, geez, this is my dad. So what's he do? He walks out of the tent. This is in Genesis 9. He walks out of the tent, and he goes and tells his brothers. And his brothers... I believe their hearts were grieved. 
I have a cough drop. Sorry. I believe his brothers were grieved. They got stuck. That's why I was like, hold on, dang it. <laughs> You've been sitting there for too long. Hold on. I'm trying to be all serious and stuff. Like, hold on, guys. That's just me. Can't, can't change it. Sorry. Trying. Jesus, help me. So his brothers, I believe, were grieved because how many know in family life can be vulnerable and, and really like, Sometimes you just go, yeah, that happened, and dang. But Noah's other two sons get this picture. They throw a blanket, a cloth, over their shoulders, and they're standing next to each other, and they walk backwards. And with that, that blanket, with that cloth, they cover their father. I believe that there is a parallel in the scripture. That this is what a picture of grace looks like. See, the first key to being the change in your family is living a life that is covered in grace. If our first reaction to something that is detrimental to somebody else is judgment, or if it's critical, full of scrutiny, then it's not grace. Family needs to be a place of security, not a place of scrutiny because grace is never critical. Security in family isn't something that can just be talked about. Security in family is something that has to be displayed. It has to be shown. What Noah's sons did was displayed a perfect picture of grace and security. And that cloth, I believe, is represented just like Christ's life that covers us in our brokenness and in our nakedness. Just as the grace that was shed, the blood that was shed on the cross to cover our multitude of sins, that grace is the same grace that we must walk in and display and give to those in our family just like Christ did. Grace covers. Does grace cover and say, oh, you know, you can do whatever you want. No way. That's not what it's, that's not grace. That's permission to sin and that's not, that's not true grace. But grace is still never critical. The key to true security and establishing security is seeing the mess that has been created and not, being, not bringing shame to anyone, but instead loving them through it. We're not here to bring scrutiny to one another. We're not here to criticize each other. We're here to love one another. That's what we're directed to do. We're not here to criticize our fathers and mothers. We're not here to criticize our brothers and sisters. Yes, they cause pain. Yes, they say things that may even shame us. But that's why we turn the other cheek and we extend grace. Because if we don't, we're doing the same exact thing that they just did to us. But God has called you to be the change in your family. He has called you to be the change in your life. He has called you you, in your chair, sitting where you are, 
with the color hair that you have on your head and on your arms and the facial hair or not, long hair or short, he's called you. We often um, pray for favor or we say we walk in favor. But as believers and children of God, we have delegated authority from our Father in heaven. And we have the ability and authority to extend favor to others. That favor is grace. That favor that we walk in is grace. Favor that we extend to others is delegated authority from heaven and it's a blanket of grace. Sometimes we have a really, really hard time extending grace and that's okay because I have key number two. We're, we're in it together. We're walking through it together. You ready? Key number two comes from a series of events, a series of moments, because this is, key number two is something that you will never, as long as you live on the earth, you will never be able to escape. Key number two is something that if we don't walk in this, we won't receive this. Key number two is so critical that our father in heaven sent his son to die on a cross so that we can receive it. Key number two is forgiveness. If you want to be the change in your family, like you were called to be, we must walk in forgiveness. So this series of events happens in our lives but it also happened in the life of David. See, David, I, he's one of my heroes, and I'm sure he's one of yours too. David, he was chosen out of, out of these brothers that were, man, they were men. They, they said, like, these were good-looking, hard-working, body-building, women-getting men. And here's David. They, they were like, what's that show everyone, all the girls like, The Bachelor? These are like Bachelor candidates. I don't watch that crap. It's garbage. <laughs> so here's his brothers. This is why he's, my, he's one of my favorites. This is why David is one of my favorites. Here's his brothers. Samuel comes to choose him. This isn't even part, this is just, you know the story. I love talking about it. Here's David working in the fields. Meh, sheep. Feeding sheep. You don't feed sheep. They eat them, they feed themselves. <laughs> my bad. Gotta get my farming stuff right. The cane, the 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 what's it called? The staff. But it's got the hook on it. You know, that's what he's doing. He's like, get over here. Come here. Y'all. There's David playing with the sheep. Says he, he was like roughy, like red hair, sunburnt skin, dirty, smaller. And God chose him. God saw his heart. God knew it was him. And Samuel was like, this one? All right, that's him. You sure it's not this guy? He's like 6'6". Six, six. Ben's prison is like 300 pounds. You sure, God? Okay, okay. Uh, it's David, the one who likes to play with the sheep. <laughs> David, as he got older, we know the story of Goliath. He kills Goliath. After that, he, this is so cool. It's so much like family. He has a best friend named Jonathan. And Jonathan is said, scripture says 
in uh, 1 Samuel 18, I believe, that Jonathan loved David as much as he loves himself. Man, reminds me of Jesus and how he commands us to love. So there's so many cool parallels in this scripture, in these series of stories, because it, we can, I believe we can find ourselves in every one of, like, one of these aspects of characters, of, of Jonathan. Sometimes I'm like, man, yeah, I feel like a Jonathan. Like, I'm here supporting my friend who's going through this trial. Or sometimes you're David who's, like, getting, getting spears thrown at him. Or sometimes we're even Saul when we're like, dang, my heart was wicked. What did I do? You guys know what I'm saying? So I, I love these stories. I wish I could just, like, read it to you guys, but that would be, like, story time with Andrew, and we'd just be reading the Bible the whole time. So I don't want to do that, but I wrote in my notes, so we'll just follow this. So forgiveness is displayed perfectly through the life of David because Saul tries to kill David. For, okay, let's back up. Saul first lies to David. And he's still faithful to the king's commands. Like David is still faithful. Saul, for the first time, throws a spear at David, trying to pin him up against the wall. What happens? David runs, but then he forgives him. He actually leads his armies into many great victories. Saul promises David a wife. Here's a promise that's made. And he said, he backs out of it. Here's, here's a promised wife. Nah, never mind. I changed my mind. Give him to somebody else and you just serve in my armies. Saul told his son, Jonathan, David's best friend, to kill David. Tells Jonathan, kill David. He doesn't do it. But instead, he goes on the run. And then when he even has a chance for retaliation, he cuts his cloak and he gets convicted in his heart about just even cutting his garment. There's a level of forgiveness that I believe as believers through the help of Christ we can walk in if we allow the Lord to tenderize our hearts. Because sometimes I think we're hungry for justice and even though we want to take it. But true forgiveness, it, it's however justified you may be, True forgiveness is a voluntarily, a voluntary process that you choose to change your attitude, to change your feelings, regardless of whatever offense has come against you. It's a voluntary process for you to change your feelings, your emotions. It's literally saying, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. No matter how justified we may be. No, many, no matter how many times they have actually wronged us. It's still us coming before God and forgiving. That's real hard. <laughs> That's real hard but I love what David says. So he, after he cuts the garment and he falls on his face before Saul, this guy who's thrown a spear at him twice now by this time, that's lied to him, that has put him on the front lines to get killed, that has asked his best friend to murder him. He falls on his face in front of him, in honor of him. And he says this in 1 Samuel 24, 13. 
He says, as an old proverb says, wickedness comes from the wicked people. My hand will never be against you. I'm all about justice. I love justice. But it must be from the hand of God. It must be from God's hand. Forgiveness strengthens us to wait for the Lord. Forgiveness, Jesus displays it that it's not about, it's not for our sake. I mean, it, it is. We forgive so that we can be forgiven, but we know that if we, if we don't forgive, they will not see people, the earth, unbelievers, people who are away from Christ, will not see the true work, the inner workings, the inner love, the inner change of our hearts. They will not see it because it's a supernatural process. Let me, let me clarify. If we choose to pursue justice at our own hand, it's in vain. But we must believe that forgiveness is a supernatural experience because when we do forgive, it allows unbelievers to see Christ in us. It's a supernatural experience that cannot happen without the help of God. Forgiveness is supernatural. It goes against what you're naturally wanting to do. It's by the grace of God that we can forgive. So Paul says in Colossians 3, 12, 13, therefore as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, Put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If any of you has a grievance against another, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you are also to forgive. You are called to forgive. You are called to be the change in your family. That means you're called to extend grace and cover your family, those that you love and those that are around you. You are called to change your family. You are also called to forgive just as Christ has forgiven us. Bueno? And that means however justified however justified we may be. It is voluntarily going through the process of changing our attitudes, changing our feelings regarding the offense that's been committed against us. That is what forgiveness is, a voluntary process of saying, God, change me. I've been I need to walk in forgiveness. Would you change my heart? You know, we're so focused on changing other people sometimes. And I feel like we're ignoring scripture because it's the Lord's job to change others, not ours. It's by his loving kindness that he leads us to repentance. It's not about my loving kindness that leads them to repentance. It's about his loving kindness. We can't tap into his loving kindness that leads us to repentance until we start to live a life in forgiveness and to choose grace before criticizing. 
You guys ready for key number three? Key three. This one gets a little personal, but we got some time. You ready? Key three. And it, and it all boils down to this. It all comes down to prayer. It all comes down to prayer. Key three is prayer. Prayer is time spent getting our hearts close with God. His presence changes everything. We can read every book known to humankind, but that doesn't mean that book will change your heart. Prayer is us getting close in his presence, drawing near to God. Prayer is key three. Prayer is how you change your family. The reason why I say that is because it's how we get God's heart, not our own. It gets our eyes off of ourselves. See, forgiveness, it's as far as the east is from the west. It's the whole thing, the entire of. But we must move on after. We must move on. We have to let go of offense so that we can get on our knees and pray. And we cannot pray from a place of offense. We cannot pray from a place of of selfishness or self-righteousness. We have to pray from a place that is in line with the Lord's heart for our families. So, from my experience, and this is my advice, Don't wait for something crazy to happen in your family to know that it's your calling on your life to pray for those that you love. Don't wait for an event to happen to realize, oh, this is my job to pray. Realize it right now. It's not in the the moment of trauma. It's not in the moment of Grief, it's right now, right at this moment. The reason why I say that is because there is a personal story that I have that taught me that it is my job to pray. So it starts like this. I got saved at 14 years old and I had to be around, I wasn't driving yet, so I had to be about 15 and a half. I had my permit. I do remember that. And if you don't know, my mom is sitting up here next to my wife. This is my mom, Cindy. Say hi, Cindy. She's amazing. And I, and I fact-checked this morning. I was like, hey, I'm going to share this story. I want to make sure you're cool, like we're good. And she's like, oh, I'm good. My mom is um, a very uh, healthy display of truth and vulnerability in family life. So if you ever want to know how to get your son to Jesus, just ask her. And I know that she'll say prayer because I'm pretty, but I want you to ask her too. So you're called to be the change in your family, okay? Don't, don't think that it's going to come outside of God's grace because it is. The grace that we extend and it also comes from forgiveness that we walk in daily, And then it leads us to prayer. I was about 15 and a half. The Lord works in us constantly. That's the beauty of following Jesus. If you're afraid of change, maybe you don't want to follow Christ because change is all that we're called to do. We're called to grow. We're called to go from glory to glory. Change is natural. We are called uh, to change. So this is part of the change that happened in my life. And it was almost like kicking me out of the womb in a way. Like, I I don't know how else to describe it. Like, um, it was, it was traumatic. So growing up in Hayward, I felt like I had to be a tough guy. So I always planned as young, young boys do, like if someone ever broke into my house, I'd be ready. 
I'd be like, you know, James Bond, da, 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 da. like all of a sudden I knew karate and knew how to defend like, you know, whatever. Three Ninjas. Who said Three Ninjas? Hey, that's a good movie. So here I am, 15 and a half years old, thinking that like, oh, I could handle everything. Till this one morning, it had to be five in the morning or maybe even earlier. It was, it was early, ungodly time. <laughs> ungodly early. Sun wasn't even up. I have an older brother and a, and a dad as well, and I love my family. We woke, I woke up to the screaming sound of my mom. And my mom, my room was closed, front door, my room, parents' room, brother's room. I wake up, and she's saying, Andrew, call 911, call 911. This was back in the days of landlines. <clears throat> so I grab my landline that was in my room that I put in myself through putting holes in sheetrock and like putting the phone line from one side of the house all the way to my room. It's terrible. I'm trying to drink water, but it's like tilted. So I wake up, tough guy, Andrew, and I'm like this. I grab my phone and I'm like. I, I couldn't even dial 911. I'm like, can't figure out how to push. I'm pushing buttons, but not 911. Later, I went and checked on, you remember caller ID? You could like hit the, what number you dialed last. It was like a plethora of numbers that did not consist of the variation 911. It was like tons of numbers. So I, j I remember this. I put the phone down. And I said, okay, God, I need your help. And I walk out in the hallway the store, the, what happened was my brother had gotten drunk and he, hadn't, he wasn't even 21. He had to be 19 something. Yeah, because I'm, if I'm 15 and a half, he's around that age. Walks in and my father, he was an amazing dad. My dad and I are close. I love my dad. He, he like my mom, are very truthful. Sometimes it comes out the wrong way but he does the best he can. You know, the, we're all in a process. And as a son, one point I wanted to make before my time runs out is Anthony actually had this conversation with me years ago in our office, when, in my office when I became, or when you became a dad. And I remember we were talking, you were like, you know, God really spoke to me. And, and he realized that looking at his son, He's like, we're brothers in Christ. So I lead him as his father, but we learn together as sons. You know, like that, that's real. That's so real. And then that was groundbreaking for me because now I look at my dad that way. He's a brother in Christ and he's learning just like I am. So that might help to extend some grace you know what I'm saying? Like, sorry, that's probably a, a good point I should have made earlier, but, but I'm making it now. So I realize now that like this season in my dad's life, he had, he, he, he had a rough time. Teenagers, teenagers can be hard and testing. I think he was working nights, I, I think, yeah. So my, my brother walks in drunk my dad's like, what are you doing? Like, my, they had some, some issues. They get into a fight, and my dad pushes my brother into a wall and breaks the wall, and, and then my brother pulls a knife on my dad. And he goes to stab my dad, and he stabs him in the arm. I know, I, I don't want to... It's probably not a good time for piano yet, Kenny, so... <laughs> So, hey, you, you can come up, though. Come up, though. <laughs> I see you go. I didn't want, like, a... <clears throat> stabs knife in the... Anyways, my bad. 
Well, thank you, Jesus, for making light of that situation. Oh, I'm good, I'm good. Thank you, thank you, sweet. So, all right. <laughs> Almost fell off. So this is really happening, and I walk out to this, and my mom, so it's one of those knives like this, has a hook on it, and my mom is grabbing the knife with her bare hands. It's crazy. She's crazy. <laughs> so I get out, and I, I remember I shouted. I said, Stop it. And then they stopped. <laughs> that means a lot to me. I want to tell you why. Because I felt like I didn't have a voice. But in that moment, I realized that I did. And you want to know something crazy? <laughs> Only God does this. I had given my brother that knife. My dad bought that knife for me from a, from a knife show we went to. It was fully serrated. The serrated edges, you know, they're like tear through lots of things. We looked at my mom's hand. She, she had a hair, like a, not even a paper cut on her hand. There was blood on the knife, but no blood in her hand. insane. Only God can do that. So things happen. Cops come and then the cops bring my brother back and say, he needs to learn from you guys. We're not going to put him in jail. And my dad obviously is not going to press charges because he was, he was sorry for the way he reacted. And there was a lot of like, a lot of good that came out of this moment of realizing how broken the family was which only happens through prayer, which I know my mom prayed plenty all the time. This is the moment that I realized that prayer is the key in family. We later came in. We went to my grandmother's house. My dad, I think he, he was home or he was at work because he always worked, even no matter what. We came back, and I remember feeling like a, a weight, a not a good weight in the house. And I looked down the hall, and I saw something gross. Like, it was like darkness. I saw darkness. And I told my mom, and then she said, it's time to pray. Give it to the Lord. And I remember she went to work the day after that happened. And it was summertime. I'm by myself. And I used to love worship music. I, still love worship music, but the reason why I say, I, in my room, I had speakers all the way around the room, like all, everywhere, like I was the neighbor you hate. <laughs> you guys remember that, you remember Evander Holyfield, how he, Fred Hammond was the song, Dance Like David Dance, he would play it on his way out of, of going down into the boxing ring, you guys remember this? The guy who got his ear bit off by Mike Tyson. Remember that? Okay, so he, when the spirit of the Lord comes upon my heart. I'm not about, what are you clapping for? I'm not about to get <laughs> So I remember the Lord said, in my prayer time, it's time to dance. It's time to pray. And this is the moment that I realized too, that it's not a battle against flesh and blood. It's against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness that I'm finally realizing through revelation of the Holy Spirit, like, this is why we pray. Because it's not them. It's the devil. That's why grace is so important. That's why forgiveness is so important. Because it's, it's for us as humans. And then the warfare takes place when we just lay in, in front of our good heavenly father and we worship him and we dance before him. And the enemy flees. That's why, like, I'm sorry, but as many songs and especially like hip hop music that talks about demon killers, like it's, it's really not like, it's not like that. As much of a man that I am that wants to like 
You chop the head off of a devil. Like, that's been done. That's been done. It's, the battle's already won. So I want us to realize, here you go. Tickle the ivories, my brother. I want you to realize, don't wait for something crazy to happen to realize like I realize. Like to get on your knees and pray for your family is your calling. That's your calling. So as a father, I was given children as a gift from my heavenly father. My wife and I have four amazing kids. And as their father, it's my calling to get on my knees every day and pray for them. To declare the goodness of the Lord over their lives. Because I am their father. So it's my job. It's my job as a husband. Because God gave me an amazing gift of a beautiful, compassionate, and loving wife. And she's the mother to my children. It is my job as her husband because it's a gift from God for me to steward that in prayer. Because no one else was given to her and I to her except for us. So no other husband's gonna do that for her. For your brothers and sisters, your parents, it's all the same. Prayer is the rebar in the foundation of your family. Prayer is the one thing that will hold your life, your family together when everything feels like it's falling apart. Prayer is the key to being the change in your family. And as we go out this week, after today, I want something to ring loud in your souls. As you move from, from home to work and back to home and in, in the face of your family, I want you to believe and know and let this ring to your soul that fear has no place in family. Fear is from the enemy. It is not from your family. Fear is conquered by grace. Fear is conquered by forgiveness. And fear is conquered by prayer. I encourage you to take these three keys and change the lives of your family. Be the change in your family through extending grace. Be the change in your family by walking in forgiveness and be the change in your family by getting on your knees and praying. You are called to be the change in your family. And God will use your life. I remember the moments when I would stay at my grandmother's house and she would take forever to pray she would list the name of her husband, the name of her children, her grandchildren. Felt like we were there forever. Especially when we're praying over food. <laughs> she would still do it. I'm like, Grandma, can I just go to sleep? But I remember it. I remember it in the times when I feel like, no one's looking out. You're feeling alone. The enemy creeps in, but it's those little moments that I can put my hands on and go, I remember my grandma's praying for me. I remember those prayers that she sowed every night of her life, around every meal, every prayer that is sown. It's like a seed. It's the seed that was sown. It's the roots of redwoods that hold us together as a family. It's prayer. So as we end, if you want to be the change in your family, 
stand to your feet. If you wanna be someone who extends grace, stand to your feet. If you wanna be someone who forgives those who have wronged you and forgive those in your family that may have hurt you, stand to your feet. And if you want to be the change in your family by being a person of prayer, that you will conquer the world with your prayer of being on your knees in front of the Lord, stand to your feet. Father, I thank you that you've called us each by name, that you see each one of our stories, God. However may dramatic, however dramatic they may be or however subtle they may be, Lord, you see each and every story. I thank you, Lord, that you've called each name. Father, I thank you for the plans and the purposes that you've laid before us. I thank you, Lord, that you will win nations through families. I thank you, Lord, that you will change cities through families. God, I ask, Lord, that you would start to establish a firm foundation of prayer in each one of our lives as we contend for our families, Lord, as we call destiny over our, over our loved ones, Lord. I ask, God, that you would be the center of attention of each family. God, and we choose to follow you. We choose to trust you. Help us extend grace where grace is needed. Help us extend forgiveness where forgiveness is needed. And help us contend in prayer, Lord, that they wouldn't be full of selfish desires, Lord, but they would be full of fervent love that we would lavish on each other, God. That you would change our hearts in that place, Lord. That you would lead us to, to, um, in compassion and you would lead us into repentance as well, Jesus. We ask God in your name, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, be blessed, guys. Thank you again for listening. We pray that what was shared in this message encourages you to extend grace, forgive, and pray for one another. This is how we begin to be the change in our family. God bless.